Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. I recently sat in on a continuing ed um, Zoom session around pastoral care. And the person who was leading it said that one of the most difficult things that we tend to say in our society is to those who have had something go deeply wrong with them, how are you? The woman said, the answer is obvious. How do you think I am? I'm not good. Right? We should just know that we are not good in certain circumstances. But we don't know what to say, so we say, how are you doing? Mary Wilson, who is my field ed supervisor in seminary, she said, in the, um, in the line out of the church, do not ask somebody how they are doing unless you're willing and able to listen to their answer. She goes, this is not a question like, how did you enjoy the game last night? This is a question that prompts deep conversation. How are you? It's one of the things that I appreciate about the Psalms is that the Psalms give us permission to give voice to the range of emotions that we feel. John Calvin said that the Psalms are the anatomy of the whole human soul. And so this morning, I want to dig into Psalm 40 that we read a portion of. The psalmist who is praying the psalm is in a pit of despair. We don't know what that pit is. We just know that the psalmist is in a place where they feel lost and broken. A psychologist I read said that one of the reasons humans are so often drawn to tragic and sad stories is that it allows us to experience that sadness without our anxiety. Because we have been so programmed as humans to see sadness as a deficiency rather than a normal experience of the human condition. At a recent pub theology conversation, someone said, I tell people that the holidays were fine because they wouldn't want to know the truth. <laughs> the psalmist says otherwise that we should talk about the truth. Any time that there is a tragedy in our society, invariably somebody will go on the air and say, this is not who we are, and the psalmist says this is exactly who we are capable of being. Our scriptures do not come with filters like an Instagram post to make things look better than they actually are. No, scriptures give power to tell us exactly who we are, who we are capable of being, and most importantly, where deliverance comes from. A friend of mine from college was um, going on a sort of um, dream trip with his father. They were going to do a multi-state um, uh, trip on motorcycles. And I didn't think this was very smart. 
And I said, well, aren't you afraid you're going to crash? And he says, look, every motorcycle rider knows this, that there are only two types of motorcycle drivers. There are those who have crashed and those who will crash. But how true is that for human life as well? All of us have either crashed or we will crash. The greatest single enemy of contemporary satisfaction may be the belief in human perfectibility. We have been driven to collective rage through the apparently generous yet in reality devastating idea that it might be within our natural ability to be completely happy. In other words, we create impossible standards for ourselves and for others. And this is one of the challenges that the psalmist gives voice to. That sometimes we are in this pit and we don't even know how to get out. At times our ego and our denial or a belief that, well, people just don't care is often the reason why we can't imagine a way out. Recently, someone at church tested positive for COVID and was so effusive in their apology and their guilt. A clergy colleague of mine in New York City reflected on this in a social media post and says one of the main mistakes that we made in reaction to COVID was by guilting and shaming those who tested positive for COVID. And that sense of guilt and shame seems to be something that has cemented our, into our psyches. My brother, who is a doctor, told me, said, like the motorcycle, everyone is either going to get it, has had it, or will get it, no matter how careful you are. But it goes to this idea that we somehow, through our own efforts, can be perfect. And then we are frustrated by our perfection that things aren't always perfect. We tried so hard. We are like Ruby Sue in Christmas Vacation who is lamenting at the lack of her presence and says we didn't do nothing wrong and we still got the shaft. Sometimes the pits that we find ourselves in come from our health or our strained family relationships, from financial challenges to moral failures, divorce, divorce, adultery, addictions. The list could go on. I'm sure you can list your own. The pit is the place where we are. We're not sure how we got there and we don't know how to get out. I recently read someone reflecting upon the letters of dear Abby who said, suddenly I realized we're not getting any better. And all the letters that, that, that he had read over the years, he said, every letter is the same. It's about my mother-in-law who doesn't like me. I need your help. My brother cut me out of his life. I need your help. I don't want to include my stepchildren in my family reunion and they're mad at me. Help. Calvin and Hobbes, great cartoon. Too bad it's not made anymore. There's this cartoon in which um, Calvin comes running into his mother's house and is crying because a big dog knocked him down and ran off with Hobbes. 
And his mother's response to Calvin was, well, see, if I told, I told you, if you didn't carry that thing around everywhere, this would not have happened. To which Calvin says, there is nothing like good advice that can make a bad situation feel any worse. <laughs> and this is one of the things that religion, Christian religion included, often gets wrong. We just sit there and assume that if we give people the right advice, then they can fix their lives. American Aquarium has a song in which the author, which the singer, says that he is going to go down to the water and wash the religion off, right? He's taking this image of baptism and seeing it as a way of washing off the religion that tells us if we just get our life in fix, then nothing bad will happen. But Paul has a different response to those of us who are in the pit. Paul says, but God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He could very well be saying, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this way. While we were in the pit, Christ died for us. God does not come to save the person that we project ourselves to be. God does not come to save the story that we have created about ourselves. God comes to save us in the pit. God does not love who I could be. God loves me. And God loves you. And this is ultimately the story of Jesus, God who came among us as a human to drag us and bring us out of the pit. John the Baptist is baptizing with a baptism of repentance in today's gospel. John is baptizing at the very section of the River Jordan where Jacob, no, Joshua, where Joshua crosses the River Jordan with the Israelites after they had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. What does it mean that, that John is baptizing at the place where Jews had come for centuries to remember Joshua's entrance into the promised land? To recall the ways in which Israel had failed and caused their to be lost for so long. And it's at this place and at this moment that John sees Jesus and says, there, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Robert Farrer Capon says that the Lamb of God has not taken away the sins of some. The Lamb of God has not come to take away the sins of the good or the cooperative or the select few who manage to get their act together and die as perfect peaches. He has taken away the sins of the world, every last bit of it. And he has dropped them down the black hole of Jesus' death. And on the cross, Jesus has shut forever the subject of guilt. Jesus says to us, there is no condemnation. All human beings, at all times, in all places, are free. Whether they know it or not, whether they feel it or not, whether they believe it or not. Amen.